Welcome, fans, to the Aftershock. Jamin Moore, Alex Morgan, Asher Cohn. We are talking to you about another Earthquakes win. Starting to become a habit at home, guys. Two MLS straight, three in all competitions uh, at home. One of the things that we knew had to be fixed about the San Jose Earthquakes was they needed to win at home. Sure, it's disappointing to lose on the road last week to NYCFC particularly when you went toe-to-toe -to -toe with them for 70 minutes. But, guys, I don't know about you, but to me, things feel better, if nothing else, if the, this team is winning games at home, and particularly a game that I felt they should have won tonight. Asher, I'm going to go to you first. What were your uh, your thoughts about this game? Yeah, um, it was a really solid all-around victory. Um, they should have scored a few more, it felt like. Um, some trouble finishing in the 18, but they had really solid defense, really hit the rotations. And I think the Cabello came out with a really good plan. He knew Colorado was going to counter. He put in three attacking eights. And, um, you know, especially after like the 40th minute or so, they just really went for it. They got good chances. They figured out how to get through the midfield. And it, you know, outside of a couple free kicks near the end of the game, it felt pretty comfortable for a one no game. You can keep talking. I was trying to get a tweet out to let everyone know we are live. Alex, I'll turn it over to you. Tell us uh, and, and give me enough time to get this tweet out. Okay? Look, uh, Alex, what did you what did you think about tonight? Jamie, I think three out of four uh, victories in the Alex Cavallo era speaks for itself. I think this team has turned a new page and this was a fairly routine, comfortable victory. It doesn't catch the eye, but I don't want to take that for granted because we weren't getting those routine, comfortable victories in the Matias Almeida era. The Quakes were losing too much, and even when they were winning, it was kind of hectic, and uh, it was chaotic, and they didn't really have much control of the game. This was a game in which the Quakes had control. They knew what they were doing, uh, and it never really looked like uh, the result was in doubt. I thought they asserted control right from the get-go especially in the second half that felt like they were able to open up the midfield uh, and i'm excited to be able to speak to alex cavello and, and a couple of players in the post-match press conference um because this was a result that uh, i think that they should be proud of and uh look uh you know they weren't able to score from open play but they're a team that has multiple attacking weapons and they're dangerous from set pieces. And that was the difference tonight. You had Nathan be able to finish uh, from a, a quick set piece situation. Could have had another from Jan Gregus's cross. Uh, the, the delivery on these set pieces is brilliant. Jan Gregus should be taking every set piece because the balls he's whipping in are just completely fantastic. Uh, and the, the finishing is, is there in the final third on those set pieces. So even when, when one attacking outlet isn't working, they have other options. Uh, and, and that's what they, they need to do to, to be able to continue to, to grind out these wins and work their way back up the, the Major League Soccer table. It's not, it's not super pretty, but it's effective. And this is what the Quakes need to do in order to make the playoffs. And hey, I'd say that like if Jibo and Cal hit some of their shots, but they got Woodwork a couple times, it would have been a really pretty comfortable 3-0 win. You know, like I think that really like, they figured out how to get through Colorado's midfield, which not a lot of them to figure it out so far. Uh, that was really great to see them make that switch, not even at halftime, but like in the 40th minute, they figured it out and they really figured out Colorado from there. It was really cool to see a team um, develop attacking patterns, shift those attacking patterns without it happen and make it work. And sometimes, yeah, you just win it on a set piece instead. 
All right. I'm going to try to talk with a bunch of hold music going on in my ear because uh, apparently uh, Jake Bassani is stuck in an elevator and can't let me into the press conference right now. So for me, I think what was really good is to see a clean sheet. Um, you know, it wasn't pretty at times. Jossie Zardes with a really good cutback chance in front of goal. Uh, yes, yeah, so it looks like I'm finally in now. Um, and so for me, it was really exciting, though, to see a, a good, solid defensive uh, shift. Um, I think uh, from an XG perspective, what did we look at, uh, Asher? It was about uh, 101 to 0.67, right? Uh, according to FOTMOB. Uh, which I believe is is the official opta tally. So, you know, 0.67 expected goals is good. And while there were some chances that were potentially dangerous, JT Marcinkowski was on top of it. I felt that defense there was defensive help in the box, particularly toward the end. It got a little exciting. If there's one criticism I have of Alex Cavello in this game, I don't think he went to his bench quickly enough. It felt to me after the Nathan goal, which happened in the 64th minute, that Eric Rometty probably should have been on right away. At that point, you didn't need both Jackson Yule uh, on, on, on the pitch, um, as well as Jan Gregush. Uh, they're kind of superfluous at that point. And one of the things that Colorado did is they immediately went on the attack to try to get the goal back, which is what you expect a team to do when they get down like that. And I felt like some of that danger could have been helped out a lot by having Eric Rometty uh, in that sixth role on the pitch. And I finally did get on right around the 75th minute. I just would have liked to have seen that earlier. Did did it strike either of you uh, that the subs came on a bit late in this one? Did you notice uh, any sort of like lack of energy uh, happening after the goal where you're like, why isn't there a sub on this pitch yet? Did that strike either of you? Yeah, absolutely. I definitely felt the same way. And it almost seemed like uh, the entire team was like, oh, wait, we're like ahead at home. That doesn't happen. We're not used to this. What do we do? Uh, yeah. And they eventually figured how, out. How do you yeah. see a game out? We have no idea. <laughs> yeah, that's like Remedy is born to see a game out. That is like best. <laughs> his role. That's what he does. Um, but yeah, no, but then he did it. I think like, you know, Kikanovich was also a great sub. He runs and he just makes defenders miserable. I think he did a really good job. Um, and at the end of the game, he just ran to the corner, which is something that Kate Kyle sometimes has issues doing. But Benji sees the game out, Romani sees the game out, maybe it should have happened 10 minutes earlier. Um, you know, whether it's Greg Goosh Montero coming out, maybe, you know, Montero really hasn't looked 90 minutes fit. Maybe he wants to get in the open cup match. So that's fine either way. But um, I agree. It almost seemed like they kind of like handed a present and took a minute to open it. And, and I just want to remark how much this conversation has changed in the last month and a half, because a month and a half ago, we were talking about how it felt like the San Jose Earthquakes had no options off the bench, how they were completely depleted and how they had no uh, way Eric to Kermetti see out should games. be off the pitch, not on the pitch. Exactly. But <laughs> this is what happens when you line up the players in a system in a way that makes sense and you play the players in in their correct positions is that you're able to have Eric Rometty, Benji Kikanovich come off the bench. You're able to have, uh, you know, guys like Tanner Beeson on the bench. After a really strong performance against New York City FC, I was kind of surprised to see him relegated back to that bench position. Uh, but uh, I'm hearing right now that we are going to be getting Alex Cavello in shortly in the post-match press conference. Jake is appearing in my ear now. Uh, and that's something I want to get the chance to ask him about because, uh, look, Nathan and Francisco Calvo, uh, locked it down tonight. And I think that you have now multiple partnerships that can work. Uh, and look, that's a good thing for this team, uh, but it would be a bummer to see Tanner Beeson sort of on the outs 
uh, here because his development has come so far. And I think he's a guy that in the long term uh, should be in this back line. So, so that's a little bit of tension in that situation that I noticed tonight. But Calvo's had two really good matches in a row, and I've been bragging on Calvo a lot since he got signed to San Jose, but he was really solid today. He had a, And when he went on adventures, the team rotated. Paul Murray would come back to help out in defense. And same thing when Nathan went up, Lopez Marcos would come back. Like, yeah, Calvo's been really solid in the Cavello era. Um, so outside of Seattle maybe, but it's <laughs> Beeson's got to win that spot if he wants it. That's a great tension to have. Yeah, I know. I, I just I agree because I do feel that if you are Alex Cavello and you've got a veteran who provides leadership on the pitch in the way that Calvo does. And also, I expect that Calvo and Nathan, from a communication perspective, now, you know, again, they're both a little bit wild cardy and I don't like two wild cards out there. But uh, but you do have to admit that Nathan uh, speaks three languages pretty well. He speaks English, he speaks Portuguese and he speaks Spanish. And uh, so having Calvo out there, I think like it helps probably some of the communication because you're talking Marcos Lopez, you know, on the, on on one of the sides as well. So, you know, the more Spanish that's probably spoken on that back line, the more they can stay in sync with each other. And let's be honest, that's a lot more important these days when you're trying to put a, a back four that's supposed to be kind of compressed and, and not allowing space between them very much uh, in those situations. And and look. Can things be better? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, things can be better. I don't think today, and, and to your point, Asher, I don't think against New York City FC, Calvo was necessarily the problem. I think the disappointment is that if you have Tanner Beeson coming off such a great performance against Taddy Castellanos, you would think there's just a role for him out there. And unless you want this team to go to a back three, he's probably going to be the odd man out unless there's a suspension or someone's unhealthy or just a normal rotation needs to happen because there's a midweek game. And, and look, Jamin, I think that it's fairly comparable at, at this point. I don't think that that change significantly affects the way this team plays. I think that the strategy that they played with today was more or less the same that they approached New York City FC with. I think they played with a slightly higher line today at home. They were more comfortable with a higher line of engagement. They they felt less need to, to play more defensively uh, in there a little bit. But I don't think that this team did anything dramatically different than they did against New York City FC. It was just this time, the circumstances were different. They're playing at home uh, instead of on the road, instead of on that tiny field that they were playing against New York City FC. So they had more width. You were able to see Kate Cowell, uh, get wide, Christian Espinosa. Get wide, get some good crosses in the box. That's how one of the ways in look like one of the ways in which they looked very dangerous tonight. And then you're also playing against a team that is kind of struggling uh, to find their form. You're playing against a Colorado Rapids team that they should have beaten uh, because uh, they are struggling to put the ball in the back of the net. So I don't think it's entirely surprising uh, this one because uh, I, I think this was just a fairly routine victory that they had to grind out. I'm going to just disagree a little bit. I think they played pretty differently. They didn't press as much. They pressed NYC. They invited, you know, Yarbrough to hit the ball long because he can't. And they just tried to win the ball back at midfield because Colorado doesn't have any defenders who can pass. You know, Jack Price is a great passer. He was out today. Um, and I think that, you know, in the attack, they um, – and they were very kind of justifiably terrified of NYC's press. Like, Teddy Castellanos is just an incredible defender up top. But against Colorado, they were, you know, it was kind of interesting that what they figured out to do is just kind of like invite Mark Anthony K up because like Zardes and K are really great. And then just, but once they're up, you can just beat 
Colin Warner and get past them. And they did a really good job doing that, you know, in the middle of the game. The second half before Warner got subbed out in the 50th minute because he wasn't able to keep up. Um, and then you know, Robert Pace is a good coach and was able to kind of get it back to an extent. But um, Cavell did a really good job knowing his opponent and changing his tactics for a different opponent. NYC and Colin were incredibly different teams and he approached them differently. And he's already, you know, figured out Seattle once. It'd be really interesting to see what happens midweek, especially because Seattle rested. San Jose didn't. Um, yeah, it'll be fun to watch, which is not something you usually say when San Jose has faced Seattle in the past 10 years. Mute. All right, Alex and I are going to fight over who gets two questions tonight. Alex, why don't you go ahead and respond and take it that way. I can jump in here. So, you know, one of the things that I think I'm still trying to figure out is, is the Kate Cowell situation. A start today, uh, which has been rare, uh, for him so far, but I think some of us have been kind of clamoring to see Jamiro Montero in the middle. But one of the things that kind of strikes me about Cade Cowell, and and he had his moments tonight. Let's 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 give him some some props. But he also had moments where he looked lost, or he got completely on an island, and two or three guys would just surround him, and then he's turning over the ball. I think this is starting to kind of stick with him a little bit. We had heard he had done a lot of work on his footwork and such in the off season. So he could be more comfortable under pressure, but I'm still not seeing it. It feels like he has to be on the break in order to be effective. And when he's still, and he needs to be able to control the ball and work his way out of a press, he's still struggling for me at this point. What do you guys think? Should, should they continue with Montero in the middle and, uh, and Cade on the wing. Would you like to see someone else get a chance on the wing? Maybe a Benji Kakanovich or a Shea Salinas when he's healthy, or uh, maybe a name I'm not even thinking of right now, um, uh, Buddha. How about Asani Buddha? Um, would you like to see one of those? Or do you think, hey, this is the time we've got to give Cade Cowell those minutes. He's got to sort these things out. It's worth uh, him kind of learning his lessons over there, even if that sometimes works against the team in certain games. What do you guys think? I want to see Ben Chikikanovich get the opportunity to get a start because he was a guy that was carrying this team at the end of last season. I think he has more poise in the final third than Cade. Today, it just felt like Cade's touch uh, wasn't clean enough and he he was getting himself in bad situations and he was, uh, he was, he was getting the ball and turning his defenders really well and he was finding space really well. But once he found that space, it just felt like he didn't know what to do with it. He, he had a couple of long shots from, from distance. He hit the post and those were good opportunities. Uh, but it never felt like he was able to connect the final pass or really set up his teammates uh, in, in positive ways. And uh, I, I still don't see the partnership between him and Jeremy Obobese. Uh Jameer Montero does a good job of finding him in space. But once the ball goes to Kate Cowell out wide, it doesn't feel like it's coming back in the middle and he's able to connect with anyone. And I think that connection is something that Benji Kikanovich can provide. So I want to give Benji Kikanovich, I want to see him get that opportunity in the middle. And Kate Cowell obviously has a lot of potential, but... Uh, if he's not making those improvements, then I think it's hard to justify uh, him his starting position in there. Asher, we did see very quickly, uh, just to jump in here, we did see that there was a pretty good connection in preseason between Kate Cowell and Jeremy Abobasi. I believe they combined for something like four or five goals in preseason, but we just haven't seen it as, you know, happen in these regular season games. Is it that Cade is just that much better than your average like USL level player, but he's still figuring out uh, things at the MLS level or, you know, did uh, some of the changes that, that uh, happened in the formation and such early on in the season 
just kind of uh, ruin the momentum there. You know, what do you think is kind of the culprit right now for why that connection doesn't exist as well as probably we all think it should? Yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, because, you know, talk about you, like Keegan Roseberry is a fine MLS right back. Cade could bench press him. Like Cade isolate against Keegan Roseberry should be like, it seemed like Santa's well is like trying to get that going. Like he should be able to beat guys like that in isolation. Um, he just seems a bit tentative and he seems to, you know, get in his own head doing a lot of like when he beat Yarborough to the ball and then just kind of sat on it for a couple of times, just like wasn't quite able to get in gear. Um, I, I don't know if it's a confidence thing, you know, a lot of people, or I guess a lot of people, a lot of people should compare him to a Dama Traore, the old Wolverhampton, now Barcelona winger, just a really muscular, fast, athletic guy. And for Troy, it took him four teams. It took him a long time to figure out how to fit on a pitch. Cal might be the same sort of thing. You know, he's used to dominating people athletically and he seems a little tentative right now. I don't know what that's going to take. Um, I don't know what's going on in practice or anything like that, but um, if it doesn't, you know, there is in position to get minutes and he's in position to take advantage of those minutes and he should be able to just absolutely dominate the left side of the pitch against a team like Colorado and if he's not able to do that, Kanovich is good. Buddha is good. You know, there's options out there. Shay Salinas is working back to match fitness. Um, you know, there might be something where they just need to move. So shocking. I'm tearing the wallpaper off of Alex's dorm, I know. But maybe that's what it's going to take. John Jay makes a really great point here. We saw Asani Buddha. Oh, looks like we're about to talk to Alex Cabello. Hold that thought. Let's go to Alex. Hi, Alex. Uh, thank you for joining us this evening. Uh, congratulations on the victory. This is now two at home in MLS and three in all competitions. I know one of the things you really wanted to establish was winning at home in MLS. It's so important to be able to make the playoffs. How do you feel about the performance tonight and what stood out to you about this one as compared to the, uh, the one that you had uh, a couple weeks ago against Seattle? Thank you. Thank you, Alex. Let's go next to Alex Morgan. Hi, Alex. Congratulations on the victory, and thank you for joining us tonight. Uh, you know, you kept a clean sheet uh, tonight, which is a positive thing, and you changed the, the back line. You, you know, you had Nathan and uh, Francisco Calvo back in there together. You know, how are you managing the defensive situation uh, with having three center backs who are all playing well? How do you uh, see that uh, partnership uh, between those three players working? I don't see any problem. I think that uh, all of three, plus the other ones that we have in the roster, Oscar, Casey, they are they are working very well. They come along very well between each other, and, and we need to manage the 
the players in the way that we think we are going to approach the, the next game in the best way possible. I think that Nathan and Calvo, they, they did great today. They were solid. Thank you, Alex. Uh, Marco Kalovic. Hello, Alex. Once again, congratulations on the victory. That's two now two victories in the past three matches for you. Since you've taken over as the interim coach, how do you feel this team has responded to you and your and your coaching style as well as your staff? And do you feel like that this has been a real positive impact in these last three matches for you? I feel very well and very good, like uh, all our staff. Wondolowski, Steve Raston, Luciano, and the rest of the guys. I think that the guys are respond, responding very well to our training sessions. Obviously, um, maybe they are different. Maybe they, they, it's, going, it's going to take a little bit more time to interiorize those concepts, but the guys are working hard, and every day they are step-by-step step improving and interiorizing the concepts that we want to put on the team. Thank you, Alex. Uh, next question from Paula Maruri. Good evening. Congratulations for the winning. How important was the contribution of each player for this game? And what could you say about the two games coming out? You're going to be playing away from home. Thank you. Well, the contribution was, was fantastic. Uh, having a clean sheet at home, winning against Colorado, creating chances. Colorado was the, the is a champion uh, of the Western Conference. I think that all of the players they they brought all that we had inside, and obviously we can talk about certain moments of the game that we were we could be better uh, offensively and defensively. But uh, in general, we are so happy. Thank you, Alex. We'll take two more, starting with Abel and Guiano. Hi, Alex. Thanks for taking the time to answer my question. From the beginning, nothing felt rushed about the game. Uh, it was pretty clear what you wanted to do with your team. So was patience key for today's game? Thank you. It was. It was. But it's something that we, step by step, we have to introduce little by little and depending on the, of the opponent. But the patience was, was one of the, the main points to control today. Overall, when we had the ball, how, to, how we had to occupy those spaces. And for moments, uh, we did a pretty good job. Thank you. Our final question comes from Alex Morgan. Hi, Alex. Thanks for taking another question. Um, you put Cade Cowell back in the starting lineup tonight. What did you think of his performance? Uh, what are some of the positives that you took away from his performance? And also, what were some of the things that you think uh, that he can still improve? Uh, in order to make more uh, contributions in this attack? Well, I think those, those things that he has to improve is something that we have to talk, you know, in, in, inside the look room. But his contribution was, was very good. He's a player that attacks the space very well with a lot of power. He's able to, to win duels physically and he has a good shot. He had the opportunity that he hit the post and, well, because he's a young player, we, we cannot forget that even if Kate looks like that, he's a young player that needs to, be, to keep improving every day, and he's open to do it. So I think his contribution was great. All right. Thank you very much, Alex, and congratulations on the win. Thank you so much, guys.
All right, Asher. Uh, comments from Alex Cavello. I apologize to everyone. I have three mute buttons I got to get right, and I got one of them wrong. Uh, that was thanks to the whole music, by the way, so everyone didn't listen to whole music. Uh, let me get Alex Morgan back in here. But uh, Asher, from what you did hear from Alex Cavello's comments, uh, what were your uh, what were your thoughts? Um, it's really interesting for someone who, like, I can't imagine is giving a ton of press conferences, like, as a technical, you know, youth director and, like, Series C in Italy. He's really good job of being very polite and saying nothing, um, which is a very, like, good skill for a coach to have in these moments. Um, Asher, I, I honestly think that Francisco, you probably learned speaking to some parents in, in the economy. I think that's probably Yes. What does he need to improve on? I'll talk to him about that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm not telling um, you guys. But uh, but that said, like I really like that. Um, Kate takes up space with power. Yes, like Kate is a sledgehammer, and somehow the sledgehammer doesn't. It, it's just a sledgehammer. Sometimes it's not a wrench or a screwdriver, but gosh darn it, it's a heck of a sledgehammer. That is what Kate Cowell is right now. Um, so I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, maybe you could let us know what the first question was. Uh, what his response to it? He seemed very uh, deep in thought, but I couldn't really get a sense of what it was. Um, but yeah. Alex, uh, I'll, I'll turn it over to you and then I'll uh, I'll talk about the first question. Yeah, well, look, I thought that the, the comment about patience was insightful because uh, this was a game in which the Quakes just had to keep uh, chipping away at it. And I think that patience was something it felt like Cade Cowell maybe lacked a little bit. It felt like he got a little frustrated because uh, he's, he's continuing to create these chances and not able to put them uh, in the back of the net or capitalize on them. But but that's, I think, a good mentality for this team to have because earlier in the season, it felt like this team was so shell-shocked. Uh, the minute they would allow a goal, they would put their heads down uh, and, and, and completely lose hope. And uh, they would it'd feel like they'd get increasingly frustrated with themselves if things weren't going right. That this feels like a team that has the tools mentally and tactically in order to adapt in, in real time to these different game situations. And that's why you're able to see them get really effective wins like tonight. So we will be talking to JT Marcinkowski. Just got the word from Jake Bassani. I was hoping it would be Nathan, but Jake made a good point and said, we bring uh, JT out sometimes to take the heat after a loss. Always good to let him come out and talk about a clean sheet. And he did make several uh, good saves tonight. Uh, a couple of them from point blank range. Uh, Asher, Alex, one of you go ahead, jump in. You know, what did you think of JT's performance tonight before we talk with him? I thought both goalkeepers were fantastic tonight. I thought William Yarborough also made a couple uh, crazy saves on the other side of the field. And this was a solid performance from JT Marcinkowski. Uh, I thought he struggled a little bit in the game against New York City FC. Uh, I think a couple of those goals could have been preventable against New York City FC. Uh, but he responded quickly and he responded well. And that's what it means to be the number one in there, to to have the confidence and the, uh, the composure to to – uh, not let it get the best of you, not, not let those mistakes uh, sit in the back of your head. And uh, look, his aerial game has really improved. He looks way more confident in the box than he has in, in the past. Uh, and his shot-stopping ability has always been one of his strongest uh, uh, skill sets. And, and that was that was on, uh, on, on doing well tonight again. Asher, let me change the yeah. question just a touch, and I'll turn it over to you, which is, you know, he's, he's obviously uh, making this change from having this man marking in front of him and everything that that requires to now having a more, you know, flat four or sometimes even five or six guys in the box to be able to support him and get in the way of shots. But that also might mean that sometimes he's going to see balls a little bit late because, 
you know, there's a lot more going on potentially in front of him. A lot of guys collapsing into the middle that maybe hasn't really happened as much. You know, how do you think his job to you at least seems like it's changing in the face of the the changing tactics? Well, it's interesting you mentioned that. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about Calvo organizing the back line. It's also on JT. And now he has people to organize, people to move in space, not just like, okay, you're guarding the winger, stay on the winger, I guess. Um, but there's actually pieces to move around. Um, there were a lot of times tonight where you would see, you know, Yule, Grey Goosh run back to zone 14 and then figure out where to go from there. You know, they're not just chasing the ball. They're not trying, but they would actually come back organized and go out from there. Um, and I'm, that is JT telling them where to go. Um, and distribution, you know, he's so calm on the ball. The team has been trying to press for the past, you know, a couple of years now. He just, he gets the ball out to the fullbacks. He gets the ball up. Now he has a boba seat that he can, you know, get the ball to. Uh, he just seems to really, um, not just be great aerially with the balls in the box. He really controls the field. Um, it's really been fun to see him develop over the past few years. And, and this was a game that felt kind of skittish. It felt kind of sloppy for the first 20, 30 minutes. But the Quakes didn't panic. They didn't abandon that game plan. And I thought JT Marcinkowski was a huge part of that because, you know, as the sort of last line and as the first person in the buildup, you know, if he starts punting the ball along and booting the ball along, that's going to disrupt their entire buildup system. But even though he was getting put under some pressure by Colorado, and even though there was some, some skittishness and sloppiness back there, uh, he kept his head and, and he was able to connect those passes and, and find Jan Gregush in the middle and, and distribute the wall into the wide areas. And I thought that was uh, one of the key ways in which the Quakes were able to establish a foothold, a strong foothold in this game. Excellent. Well, this has been a good job workshopping the questions that we'll probably ask JT here in just a bit. There have been a lot of comments tonight about Paul Marie uh, in, in the chat. And at the beginning of the season, I think all of us would have said right back is a bit of a hole. And let's be fair, Paul Marie played more left back last year than right back. And that was what Matias Almeida wanted him to play. But he does seem to have really taken to this right back role. Um, it's not that Marcos Lopez is playing poorly, but right now Paul Marie is actually standing out more to me in terms of his involvement in overall play, whether it's in the attack or on the defensive side, you know, then uh, on an, you know, on a game to game basis, even more than Marcos Lopez. And I'm surprised to be saying that um, it does feel like to me that he's pretty much locking in becoming the starting right back for this team. And it feel doesn't feel quite like the whole that maybe we thought it was at the beginning of the season. Where are you guys? And Alex, I know you, you've you been critical and then came around on Paul Marie a bit last season. Where are you on Paul Marie now? Is Ben Pavard, should he get nervous? Is that what you're trying to say? I think I think the, the next step for, for Paul Marie's career is a call-up to that French national team. He was asked midweek by our <laughs> colleague, uh, Fabian Renkel, uh, whether he would choose the French national team or the U.S. national team. He said unequivocally, He's playing for France. So I, I look forward to, to see Paul Marie playing at the 2022 World Cup later this November. And I think it's good that he's getting the starting position so that he can really make his case uh, to the French <laughs> national team setup. And I'm sure they're watching the Quakes every week to see what Paul Marie's doing. Incredibly intently. And and I was never in doubt, Jamin. I uh, I never doubted Paul Marie's capacity to take back this, this right back um, position. And I think that uh, the way he was playing last season, the confidence that he gained last season, the, the strides that he made last season, 
uh, he's continued to grow upon and he, he looks like one of their strongest assets going forward, uh, both in his ability to, to get down the wing and, and, and whip the ball into the box and his ability to cut inside uh, and take some dangerous shots. He had a, a deflected shot early on that was pretty dangerous. So I think Paul Marie is, is undoubtedly uh, the number one choice at right back right now. And uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm shocked that uh, Matias Almeida uh, thought anything else. Uh, earlier this season because uh, Palmer is really over the last year and a half, I think solidified his, his, his spot there. And he had a great slip ball really early in the game as well. I think it was the Jiba. Can't quite remember, but um, I think both Maria and Lopez had great games. They really, um, it's, the team's organized. Like one of them goes forward, the other one slips back, you know, when Calvo and Nathan come up, they fall back. Um, Colorado had nothing going up Lopez's side, you know, for most of the game. Um, all their, good movements came through Marie, which, you know, he had a great game. Um, definitely got exhausted chasing Jonathan Lewis, which I can't blame him one iota for. Uh, but yeah, they both look really solid and like you can do, <laughs> it's fine to have a really solid right back. I mean, Miguel Layun probably, you know, would have been great, but if that's money you can put elsewhere on the roster, cause you have someone who's just like locked in and like Tommy Thompson, Jack Skane can, you know, hold up the fort as well. Like, that's great. That's fine. That's good. There's better places to put that money elsewhere. Asher, it's been over a year. I feel like we need to move on from the Miguel Layard <laughs> nostalgia. I feel like we've, we've reached a point where we can let that one go. All this right, way you can like, like title it, Miguel Ayun to Quakes. So <laughs> All right, JT, thanks for taking the time to speak with the group here. Yep. Uh, thank you everyone for your patience. We are now joined by goalkeeper JT Marcinkowski. Let's begin with Jamin Moore. Unmuted. Hi, JT. Thank you for taking the time to join us tonight. And sometimes we have to talk to you after a tough loss. Congratulations on a clean sheet. Two straight wins at home. Um, you know, from your perspective, this uh, kind of change in tactics in front of you uh, under Alex Cavello, how is the team adapting so far? And is, is tonight a good indication of what you expect to see from this group going forward? Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the guys have done a great job during this transition. Um, it's definitely not easy. Um, we owe a lot to to Matias and his staff. Uh, I think a lot of how the way that we pressure and the way that we defend um, is a lot to do with a lot of credit to them uh, for teaching us over the last, you know, three and a half, four years. Um, but with with Cavello's system, I think it's a little bit just more structured, um, a little bit like less is more approach, I would say. Um, and so, yeah, I think I think it's a, this is a good indication of how we'll play moving forward. I think every game presents a different challenge, so it's not going to be exactly the same thing every single time. But, you know, just adjusting on the fly and uh, we'll look back on the film and there's plenty of things to correct and there's plenty of things to work on. And um, we'll get right back at it tomorrow. Thank you, JT. Let's go next to Alex Morgan. Hi, JT. Congratulations on the victory. And thank you for speaking us to, uh, to us tonight. Uh, you know, can you talk about, I'm curious a little bit about the, the buildup because it felt like tonight you were able to find guys like Jan Gregoosh uh, in the middle and able to build the ball through the middle, uh, you know, more quickly. I, I, I'm curious how the buildup has changed uh, over the last couple uh, weeks, how you guys are approaching the buildup uh, a little differently uh, and, and, and how it felt tonight uh, working the ball out of the back. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a little bit the same, the same answer is, Every game is a little bit different. Uh, tonight, I think Colorado uh, gave us a few chances to go to go through the middle, but also finding our outside backs, especially in the first half, 
Uh, they transitioned to a five in the back, so it was a little bit tougher um, in the second half. But, um, you know, these guys are really good in front of me. And Jan, Jackson, Miro, Eric, um, you know, they're great players and they find good spaces and they find good pockets to be in. And um, it's our job in the back to give them the ball because they're the ones who create all the danger. And, um, you know, that's why they're here to, to link the, the defending side of the of our game to, to the attackers, to Jabo, to Kay, to Benji, to Christian. Um, I think it was a really great team team effort tonight. And, um, you know, it starts with with Calvo and Nathan in the back having a stellar performance. Thank you, JT. Next question from Fabian Renkel. Uh, Fabian, we'll come back to you. Let's go to Michael Roberson. All right, JT, um, how much pride do you uh, take in getting a clean sheet, uh, especially when it leads to a victory? Um, very close game today, but you were able to keep them out of the net. So how much pride do you take in getting a clean sheet? Yeah, I mean, I think the clean sheet's a great representation of how, how well the team defended. Um, I thought we really worked together tonight and um, we clicked on a lot of cylinders that we've kind of been missing. Um, so I think having a zero in the back is just a, a culmination of all the effort that the guys put in in front of me. Um, I'm, at, I'm just out there to try to, you know, help the team in any way that I can. And uh, whether that's a clean sheet or whether that's a 4-3 victory, it doesn't really matter to me as long as we get a win. Thank you, JT. Let's go back to Fabian Renkel. Hey, JT. Thank you for your time and congratulations on the clean sheet. I wanted to ask you, is the next clean sheet coming this Wednesday versus the reigning CONCACAF champions? Thank you. That would be nice, wouldn't it? Um, obviously, we'll have to, you know, watch a little bit of film from this game, and then we'll we'll approach the Open Cup as, you know, as a tournament game, and it's a one and done. It's a final, and uh, we'll we'll treat it as such. Um, I think we'll go up to Seattle with a great mindset and uh, continue to build on from tonight in the past the past few games. Um, I'm sure they'll be, you know, biting at the bit to to play us again after. After beating or after we beat them uh, last last home game, so uh, but we'll we'll approach it like like every other game. Uh, we'll go out there and you know impose ourselves and and get after it. Thank you, thank you, JT. We're going to take two more questions, starting with Paula Maruri. Congratulations. Um, what was the key factor to manage your level of concentration in the game? Thank you. Yeah, good question. Um, I think this is something I've been working on the past uh, two years or so is just my uh, my mindset going into games. Um, I think it's a huge part of of every position, but especially goalkeeper is your ability to stay focused throughout the 90 minutes. Um, you know, it's communicating with your back line. It's it's trying to see things before they happen. And, you know, it's also just being in a good mental headspace, uh, thinking positive thoughts, not dwelling on a mistake, not dwelling on the past, but uh, continue to look for you know, the next, the next success, anchoring myself, myself on, um, you know, the things that I work on and the things that I'm good at and, and then go from there. Um, every game's a different challenge, but I'll, I'll see things that I've never seen before, um, whether it be Wednesday, whether it be Saturday, but, you know, you just kind of, you adjust on the fly and you go from there. Thank you, JT. One final question coming from Jamin Moore. Unmuted. Hey, JT, thanks for taking one more. Uh, I'm curious, uh, just in, in terms of the change, you know, from Matias to, to Alex, 
How has that changed your particular role in terms of the way that you communicate? And has it also changed the way that you're typically seeing the ball when shots are taken and the types of movements that players are making in front of you? Have you had to make any adjustments to that? Thank you. Muted. Yeah, I mean, I think with every coach, there's a little bit of, of something different. And my, my communication is really dependent on how, how we want to play and the shape that we want to maintain. Um, so I think we want to keep our, our fullbacks a little bit more tucked in, uh, a little bit more compact. So I'm constantly talking to Marcos or Paul or Tommy and uh, making sure that they know who's behind them or same with Calvo and Nathan to make sure they know um, what runner's coming. And, and tonight it was Jossie, John Lewis, um, Barrios when he came in. So just doing my best to, you know, to make sure that they know what's around them. And um, But it's also dependent on how, how the other team plays. Um, if they're playing with two forwards and my communication is a bit different with the back line compared to if they're playing with a, a 4-3-3. Jamin, I think you switched to us. People would rather hear JT. Yeah, I, I know. I think uh, I think we've lost JT, and it might have been my mistake. I think it's dropped. So let me see if I can get that back, everyone. Hang on for one minute, and we'll see if we can uh, get that back real quick. Hang on. One sec. Uh, I just need to find the link again, and we'll try one more time. I think we're about ready to wrap it up. I'm the last question that much I know. So apologies. Okay, Alex is back, so I think it's done. Alex, I, I lost JT there at the very end, but I'm guessing it's done since you're back. JT Marskinkowski has finished his remarks. He has left the building. <laughs> he has left the building. That okay. it for tonight's press conference. But I did, I did just want to remark, uh, you know, that was another super uh, well-spoken and uh, sort of insightful press conference. And a couple of weeks ago, I felt like there was kind of a leadership vacuum within this Quakes locker room, how nobody was really stepping to the plate and, and taking accountability uh, and really able to articulate what was going wrong and, and what needed to change. But over the last few weeks, it felt like there's been just this super strong positive reinforcement loop and, and all the players are stepping up uh, and and uh, taking responsibility. You see JT Marshankowski, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we had uh, super insightful press conference from Jack Scahan. We've talked to Jeremy Abobasi. We've talked to Nathan. A lot of these guys are 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 now able to process these games and and take responsibility for them and, and, and show leadership much more strongly. And I think that shows a, a really healthy locker room dynamic that I think always existed, but was just put under a lot of strain because of the circumstances surrounding Matias Almeida's departure. And let me get back out here. Uh, so, Asher, uh, your thoughts. That was actually, it's really uh, interesting, Alex, that you said that because I think it's something that I hadn't really like thought that much about. But, uh, Asher, do you think that moving from such a charismatic leader that is kind of very out there and maybe, quote unquote, takes the bullets for the team as someone like a, a Matias Almeida uh, can do or another charismatic coach? Do you think, uh, you know, having uh, someone like Alex Cabello come in does ask other leaders in the team to be more vocal and maybe to step up a bit more? What's your perspective? Um, I also think that dad's back. Chris Wondolowski's back in the locker room as well. And that's probably <laughs> a huge bit to deal with it as well. Um, you know, he's, he's been through more than anyone else in MLS practically. And he's the captain of this team for goodness knows how long. So, yeah, like, I imagine that's a huge difference 
Um, and I think, you know, I forget it was like the first conference or the first press conference of the Bay Cities game where it's like, it's great having Wando back. Um, I think it was Jackson Neal who said that. Um, I just think it makes everyone feel a lot better. Um, but it is interesting. I, like, JT sounded very poised. And it was very interesting to hear him talk about the field very similar to Cavello, just in terms of space, taking space, shifting space around. Um, they seem to be very much on the same page. Uh, makes sense. Yeah, they've been around since before Almeida, right? Like, uh, Cavello predates him, and JT's been around his team for since he was a teenager. So, yeah, it, um, you know, it's interesting for a team that doesn't have a ton of success over the past decade. There is a lot of continuity that there. It really does give them something to build off of that, um, you know, hopefully is something that we can take optimism in in the future. I, I absolutely agree with you about, about Chris Vondolowski. We, we haven't heard from him in a while. We haven't seen him in a while. But I do feel like you can sense his presence in this locker room and the way this team carries itself and the way this team plays. It's, uh, you can sense it somewhere there in the heart and the soul that the team has. So very quickly before we go, and uh, I think we'll do a little bit shorter show tonight, uh, respect to Asher, who's on Central Time, and thank you for, for taking the time to join us off Central Time. And Alex is a very busy man these days and uh, it took some time out of his day for this show as well. So fans, before we go around here for, for the final, let me just remind you, like, subscribe, and turn on notifications. Earlier this week, I spoke with the soccer rabbi. It's a very interesting conversation, some good stories in that. And even though the game is behind us now, if you missed uh, my chat with Mark Goodman, uh, definitely check that out. It's an entertaining uh, video. Um, But if you want to get notified when videos like that get posted, turn on those notifications, make sure that you subscribe so that you will know that. We actually get a lot more people who watch those videos because they get notified than let's say people just coming in off of Twitter because I you know post something and say, hey, check out this video. We actually get a lot more people um, that the stats show from people who subscribe to the videos and, and uh, get the notifications. So uh, please turn those on. And then of course, if you're not a patron, uh, we, we wanna try to not save this to the very end as we've been told by people, please let people know earlier in the show that you have a Patreon because sometimes people don't stay the whole time. But uh, if you enjoy what we do, consider donating two, five, or even 15, if you're really generous, dollars a month uh, through our Patreon, various benefits available to you uh, at the $5 level. You get to join uh, the Slack. You get extra videos from the game. We, uh, we, we take uh, nominations of people who uh, uh, you want to get video clips from, from a game like today. And uh, we put those out uh, to, uh, to, to uh, the $5 subscribers. Uh, for new articles, uh, you get patron preview at the $2 level. At the $15 level, uh, we're still working through a couple changes to the benefits at that level. So if you really like us uh, and, and uh, for the $5 benefits, you can pay $15 if you prefer. Uh, but we actually uh, will be uh, talking about uh, some new benefits with our $15 patrons here soon. Um, so let me turn it back over to you guys for some final thoughts this evening. Uh, Alex Morgan, a one nothing win, PayPal Park. I, you know, maybe I should go dig back and find out when the last time the Quakes won two at home is. I'm not in a row. I'm not sure that it happened last season. I need to actually check on that. Uh, do, unless either of you know or uh, if there was some sort of uh, uh, tweet or something. If anyone's got that uh, information, go ahead and share it. Otherwise, I'm the stats guy. I should go look it up. But uh, 
I will turn it over to you, uh, Alex, for final thoughts after a 1-0 win this evening over the Colorado Rapids. Look, this game was a super relaxing game. This was the first Quakes game that I've watched in a while uh, that it felt like I, I could kind of put up my legs and, and trust in the team to handle each game situation and to see out the win. Uh, no longer is every Quakes game going to induce an existential crisis for this club and for this organization and for this team. No longer does it feel like every small mistake is going to make them doubt uh, themselves and, and doubt everything that this uh, club is doing. Uh, and I think that's a positive thing. I don't think it necessarily uh, makes the team super fun, uh, as you know, Squad Horizon is suggesting here in the comments. This was a relatively subdued game. But I think it's nice because it allows uh, you to shift the conversation and shift the focus more to a lot of long-term projects. And we've started to do that, I think, a little bit at, at Quake's Epicenter. You know, Jamin had a really super insightful piece the other week about the, the data analytics team and the, the groundwork that the Quakes are building on that front. Uh, you can talk a lot about the, the sort of the renovation development projects that they're doing, hopefully getting an academy complex sometime in the future. So because you're seeing more stability uh, on the field, that makes the front office job a lot easier and they have more energy to put into these different long-term projects that can really build the long-term success of this team. And that feels like it's what the Quakes are doing right now. It feels like they're on the right path again. Uh, and they're, they're, they're uh, slowly starting to rebuild that, uh, that identity that, that kind of went missing. It felt like was kind of lost uh, a couple months ago. All right. I think I found the answer to my question. So the, so the last time I could find two straight wins at, Home were to start last season, the first two home games of last season, a 3-1 win over FC Dallas on April 24th and a 4-1 win over DC United following that on May 1st. So those, that seems like the last two the last two games in a row where the Earthquakes won MLS regular season home games at home. Asher Cohn, your thoughts on the performance this evening? Yeah, um... To respond to Squad Horizon's other comment, this is somehow San Jose has only lost one game at home, uh, the first game of the season against the Red Bulls. Um, completely feels like a lot more than that, right? But um, yeah, so you, I think he's right there. Uh, they're right there. And um, is this team fun again? I don't know. I, I got my laundry folded during the first half. That was great to get out of the way. Um, someone is sitting, you know, in front of me all day. Um, it's a team. It's a team you can fold your laundry to sometimes. But like. It's good to see a team that knows how to take up space, that knows that they're absolutely killer on set pieces. Um, yeah, I think there's like Grey Goose should be taking set pieces. I think Espinosa's got two or three assists himself on set pieces. Like it's it's a good problem to have to have a lot of dangerous weapons and set pieces. Um, teams can go far knowing what they're supposed to do and doing the right thing on set pieces. Like that's a really good recipe for success. And the fact that San Jose also has match winners like Montero, like Keegan Cowell could be, like a Bobasi can be. Um, yeah, like there are things you can see this team building on. And, uh, you know, I've been kind of half watching LAFC versus Philadelphia in a second monitor during this. But if we can see San Jose start to learn how to make runs off the ball and take up space like those teams are, like, there's no reason why that shouldn't be able to be done. And there's no reason why San Jose won't be able to level up over the next couple months. Um, and just to second one, back final thoughts from Alex. Okay. First off, Asher's going to finish off. Go ahead. I'm going to finish one more thing. Alex. sorry about that. And sorry about um, admitting them, um, maybe doing something else in the background, but um, the way when uh, I think Alex asked about Tanner Beeson and then 
Alex Cabello goes immediately. Well, there's also Oscar and Casey. Like the second team is the first team. They're all one team. It's something we've heard a lot about kind of as a thing that it kind of sounds like Palpum for a while, but it seems very real with Cabello. It seems really real with Cabello taking over the um, San Jose Earthquakes. Like there are 40 boys, two men on this first team. And uh, it really seems that they're all trying to build up together. And you can really see it happening this past couple of weeks. And it's really exciting to see. Asher, I think you should take this pitch to San Jose's marketing team. I think there's something in the laundry idea. If they somehow installed some uh, washers and dryers at, at PayPal Park and fans could come and, and bring their laundry and, and, and watch the games. I, th- I think you're onto something there. But but I will say that if the Quakes are given an excitement budget over the course of the season and they're only allowed a certain unit of excitement over the course of the year, I'd rather save that for the end of the season. I'd rather make the playoffs and have an exciting playoff run because that's not something that the Quakes have had in a long time. So so I'm willing to to give up some of the excitement units right now if, if that means that they're accumulating and being saved in, in the bank. Yeah, right now, I think I'm just excited that the expected goals against are, you know, are, are under one uh, for a game because, you know, for me, the, the whole way to be able to improve this team was going to be to uh, on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, That was the way that this team was going to get better. I thought we had probably seen the kind of the maximum of what they can can do uh, and from an attacking side of things. And so it was really important to start to get this defensive side of the ball taken care of. And tonight, I thought we saw a big step forward. Yes, it was a bit of a depleted uh, uh, team from an attacking perspective with no Jack Price, no Diego Rubio, in the lineup tonight uh, for the Rapids, but I felt that uh, you know that this was this was a good performance from the defensive side that showed some promise. That showed that yes, putting more structure, as we have been saying, you know, in place is is probably what's going to lead to the fortunes of this particular team being able to have a chance to get back toward the playoff position. Maybe not playoffs but at least start to work their way up the table and three points at home, the best possible way to get closer to the playoff line. There's nothing, nothing better that that can happen. And also I think important to t- show the fans that, that under this uh, new leadership uh, of Alex Cabello and, uh, and his assistants, uh, including Chris Wondolowski, Steve Ralston and Luciano Fusco, that, uh, you know, they've got a plan and that that plan can help this team uh Produce a win if you show up at PayPal Park uh, and plunk down your hard-earned money to be able to watch the Earthquakes team. Guys, it's been a great night. We're going to let everyone go just a touch earlier than we normally do, let you guys go as well. I appreciate very much both of you taking the time to join tonight because I know you had to make some time in your schedule to do so. I watched the game from a phone the entire time. So my son played a high school uh, game tonight that I got to watch. So kind of doing the phone thing. Uh, for for a lot of the night, um, but uh, good to uh, so whether so even if you're not doing uh, laundry, Alex, you can actually watch your son's uh, high school soccer game uh, at the same time that you watch the San Jose Earthquake. So it doesn't have to be laundry. Do we get the the breakdown of the the son's uh, high school soccer game? Was it as successful as the Earthquakers? All it didn't go well. No, it, didn't. it didn't. It didn't go well. It was a play. It was the playoff game, and they are out. But now we can focus on club season, which is great because high school. You know, it's high school soccer. It is what it is. 
But I appreciate you asking. Thank you for ruining and the end of the show. We're not going to be able to grill him in the post-match press conference. We don't we get the not be able to ask the hard questions. Post- we will not be able to do that. There's no accountability, Jamin. No accountability. <laughs> yeah, well, he's 16. So, uh, you know, anyway. We'll, uh, we'll wait till he gets uh, a little bit older. So, uh, but anyway, thank you for asking. <laughs> so with that, uh, that's our show for this evening. Asher, Alex, thank you again for joining me. Everyone who joined tonight, uh, thank you so much for being here. Everyone have a good evening as the Quakes get another home win. And uh, we will see. I think they will have the chance to move up the table, but we will see how the weekend plays out and uh, what place they'll end up in at the end of the weekend. Uh, but things look like they are improving a bit. So uh, for Alex Morgan, for Asher Cohn, I'm Jamin Moore. Uh, thanks again for watching. Have a good night, everyone.